0: The U.S.L. show, also known as the View for Soccer. I gave a very pro wrestling heel turn. I'm sorry you were offended. Apology. The U.S. military
1: discussing what a naruto run is for the Area 51 raid. I feel
2: angry. Who disappointed me? <laughs>
0: Welcome to the USL Show. This is Phil, and this is your quarantine special. I haven't been thinking much about this show because I've been really wrapped up in in everything else, but we're here to talk, and a lot has been happening, and we got the whole crew. I thought it'd be cool to um, start with everyone talking about what they've been doing during the quarantine, and and just kind of come in with a nice, slow intro that way before we start getting hot and heavy with uh, Jake Edwards' interview, and talk about the uh, USDA and all of those sort of things. Alan. let's start with you, buddy. Um, How are things in San Diego? How's the quarantine going for you?
3: It's going all right. Uh, I feel very fortunate that both me and my wife both are currently working. Uh, We're just working from home. Uh, I teach, so it's been a little bit interesting and frustrating at times, but uh, it's been nice to actually get to communicate with students from time to time and try to make the end of the year as special as possible. So it's been a lot of focus on just trying to finish the year out on a positive note for the students. But other than that, things are going all right.
0: Yeah. You're in education, and David is too. We're going to go to him next. But you are the kind of guy that seems to thrive on interaction. And so this seems like it'd be pretty hard for you to not be in the same room as all your your band students, right?
3: Yeah, you kind of feed off that energy. I have 50 kids on average in my three bands. So there's a (laughs) lot of social interaction. And I do miss that every day. One of my kids asked, do you miss us? I was like, well, I miss the interaction. I don't always miss, like, the having to listen to you talk when I should be teaching part of it. (laughs) And, of course, they laugh. Um, No, it is something special. You develop those relationships, especially with the eighth graders over three years. um, And you want to give them a really good send-off to high school um, because this might be the last concert they ever play and mm. so you do miss i do miss that but like i said we're just trying to make the end of the year as special as possible for the students and we're gonna have to get creative and mm-hmm. use technology and use what i've learned podcasting to maybe do a little bit of that so um, i'm excited to see what happens but um the first couple of days were pretty pretty stressful
0: no kidding so you might try to throw together some kind of a virtual band concert of, so- of sorts maybe
3: we're given the option um so we'll see which bands take it. I think at least the top band will. And so it'll be that editing a bunch of videos together to kind of give them that same kind of experience. Mm-hmm. And then hopefully you can bring the campus community involved and make it kind of a thing.
0: Nice. Um, and then you guys, you've been hot and heavy with podcasts through all of this. Um, I had <laughs> said earlier, I haven't been keeping up as well, uh, but maybe before we move on, tell us what you've been up to with your, with your podcast.
3: Um, with Fairweather Pod, um, we've been recording every week. Um, we were lucky enough to get the last game of the USL, so we had like an extra week, I think, on a lot of teams. Um, and then we just got hooked up with the, some cool player interviews because uh, they're just making the players available. They're all new. That's my dog saying what's up. <laughs> and. Um, and then we had the chairman come on, and then we've just kind of been engrossing ourselves in the soccer community because it's new. So some of the stuff maybe that other podcasts have talked about already, it's like we get to talk about everything. Uh, and so we've been pretty fortunate enough to be able to create some content every week, and uh, we're going to keep doing it until we run of stuff to talk about, <laughs> and then we might go one week further anyway. Yeah. Uh, so we're just trying to keep normal, and we enjoy each other's company, so it's you know an hour of normalcy a, a week on that podcast.
0: Nice man. Same
3: thing with Orange County. Yeah, same yeah. thing with Orange County. Just like we're we're friends and we're gonna record a, a, a bunch of guys hanging out, talking about soccer, having a good time.
0: <laughs> Sounds good to me. It's perfect. Uh, David David Carl is here. That was Alan Underwood. I didn't didn't specify. Just assume everybody knows at this point. Uh, but David Carl's here. Um, you guys have been. Doing podcasts through all of this as well. You have the ESPN thing going, so you know, I said earlier, you kinda have to keep going, right? <laughs> and find things to yeah. talk about.
4: <laughs> yeah, it's it's a lot. So we have the yeah, we have the Curse Cast every week, um, usually on Wednesday nights, and then on Saturdays we have our ESPN radio show United Weekly. Uh, so yeah, we, we gotta keep going. Um, you know, we, we like to say that Curse Cast is kind of United Weekly after dark. Uh, you know, we can kind of let loose a little bit more. You know, you're on the radio. You can't really say what you want to say all the time. But uh, we've been we've been having a lot of fun with it. We've been kind of mixing it up a little bit. You know, we had some great guests. We had Jeff Reuter come on. Uh, we had some representatives of, of the U.S. Soccer Federation. Uh, we had Peter Wilt come on. Um, and then on the on the podcast, we did a, one of the ones that I liked recently. We did a WAG cast. So we had Jade Ryden, Kristen Sandoval, and Holly Weehan bring on their husbands, uh, Kalen Ryden, Chris Weehan, and uh, and Devin Sandoval, and they did kind of a newlywag game, and they hosted, and it was a lot of fun, um, but been working a lot too, as you mentioned, I work in education, and It's been a it's been a it's been a trip. It's been something that's very different than we're used to. Alan can testify to it's it's different, but we're we're getting through it.
0: Well, you said you're in the communications part of school and teaching, right? So you're having to work with people. I mean, you've got your hands full in this situation because that's communicating is uh, everyone's relearning how to do it right now, right?
4: Yeah, and you got to relay information to thousands of parents um, on a daily, sometimes multiple times daily basis. You know, this is where the food pickups are for for students. This is how your student's going to get their device to learn at home. This is how the information's going to get to them. Um, a million different things like that. So, again, we're all learning together at the same time. And uh, it's really important that, I guess, we kind of take the time to allow ourselves to not be perfect at it and to do our best and do our best for the kids. And you feel for the seniors who aren't going to have an in-person graduation or prom, but, uh, we do what we can Mm. to, to do the best for them.
0: Yeah. One last question. What is, what does WAG stand for? I feel like I should know, but I don't.
4: (laughs) Wives and girlfriends. Uh, Uh, okay. so yeah those are the wags and then uh when we have the wag cast uh the players are referred to as habs husbands and boyfriends oh. um but Devin and Chris and and Kaylin all came on and were good sports as their as their wives all gave them a bunch of crap and it was a lot of fun <laughs>
0: that's awesome and yeah you said you can go back and listen to all those which I intend to do um i got to put in a full day of work tomorrow for a change, so I'm going to listen to some of those. Uh, Ryan Allen's here from North Carolina. I assume, Ryan, you're back. You're are still with your family, right? Not at school, obviously.
1: Yeah, I'm still with my family in Wilmington, uh, just trying to keep up with uh, grad school classes and everything. But two weeks left in the semester, then summer school starts.
0: Is it is school easier because of this situation? Seems like it would be.
1: It seems slightly easier. It just makes it more frustrating to uh, coordinate with group projects and everything. I actually had a funny one that I was telling Pony. I'm writing a paper for my sports marketing class talking about uh, just marketing of sports teams. And this person wrote in a paper that they were citing a source that called Barcelona a small town. And FC Barcelona, a team with very little local support. It, it just it baffled me that within the... Uh, paper the team that plays in the 99,000 seat stadium (laughs) in the city that hosted the olympics is being called a small city
0: (laughs) i like that too um (laughs) so who are you in the in the group project are you the one that does all the heavy lifting and then you you ends up a lot of people get a free ride or where where do you fall in that world yeah that
1: was pretty much mine just because i'd already done a lot of the research for the project anyways so (laughs) i just pretty much it's just let people just kind of join in. It's like, you know what? I I enjoy this, and I like doing this research, so I don't mind uh, just kind of doing that portion of the project.
0: Nice. Well, that's good. So you're the guy I'd want to team up with, for sure, if I was in college. <laughs> Uh, it's it's no surprise, I don't think, that uh, I did not go to grad school. I did not enjoy college that much, but I made it through. Uh, Pony, you made it through college. You got a good, successful job, and uh, you said you went straight from a million phone calls to this this call, in a way. How's it going, man?
2: Uh, pretty good. I've been dealing with this work from home. It's been about four weeks for me now, and that's been a pretty massive culture shock, hmm. but we're... Getting through it one day at a time until who knows when at this point.
0: Yeah. What is your job, Pony? I've, you've told us before, and I know people ask me from time to time, so why don't you explain for everyone?
2: Yeah, uh, I'm a civil engineer in Sacramento. I mostly work on flood control projects, sometimes do some pump station projects, but oh. if it deals with water, that's usually something I touch, especially in this area.
0: Crazy. So I, I've, I've learned a little bit about that kind of thing. I'm a plumber so there's that that's cool um yeah no hands-on stuff right now though are have they made you come out to a project at all or are you all online right now
2: uh some people do have to go out when required but i haven't had to go out to a project site yet nice. depending how long this goes on i probably am gonna have to but hmm. yeah if it goes on that long it's gonna be dangerous for other reasons because it means you're gonna be still doing this in the end of summer
0: yeah no kidding uh, well, everyone, thanks for uh, logging on today. It's really good to hear from all of you. I'll say super quickly that yes, I'm a plumber, but I also like have apartments and um, I own a building that's full of like elderly people, and I have a large staff there. I really don't have a staff other than there, and so it's been really weird to. I have to go in because I got to finish up a certain amount of work before we potentially sell the place and um, we just don't have a choice but to go in and try to finish up some apartments because it's on a contract and uh, we're just really scared because everyone's old and we're wearing masks and trying to be as careful as we can making sure no one comes in that shouldn't and so that's been real stressful for me but you know I'm not working nearly as much just because of all of that as well so that's kind of nice spending a lot of time with my family at times too much I think Alan we or, no, David, <laughs> you said, or someone said that they were really happy to get out of the house or something like that. And I definitely experienced that where I don't realize how stressed I am from being in the house with three boys and my wife. And I get out to do work for about three, four hours and I feel refreshed in a way, which is almost backward. But anyway that's what I've been up to uh staying safe here in St. Louis um let's go straight into the Jake Edwards interview I'm going to stop talking so much and controlling the uh, conversation um I'm going to open it up to everyone please speak up if you have something to say about everything interrupt me um I'm open to it um let's start with the USL Players Association uh Reuter did ask whether they've been in conversation with those guys and the answer was a Way better than I thought it was, David. Would you uh, think about that?
4: Yeah, it was pretty much that they were in. Was it weekly communication, almost constant communication with the USLPA Daily.
0: every morning? Daily, there yeah. you go.
4: <laughs> That's wonderful to hear. Um, you know, I I I'm with you in that camp that I wouldn't have expected it. Um, but it's nice that the USLPA has a seat at the table. Apparently, has some influence over kind of what decisions are made. Obviously, we're all well aware that the USL is different from a lot of other sports leagues in that, you know, the owners have a lot of the say, a more, I think more so of a say in kind of decisions that are made league wide than you would see in a lot of other leagues. So it's good to see that the USLPA has a voice in decision making and they're constantly getting updates. And, and it's a good thing because, again, especially this is a fledgling players association.
0: Yeah, the topic that comes up for me too is, um, you know, everyone's, especially Harry, you see Harry Austin online talking about, you know, are, are people going to have games in empty stadiums and why would they? And and my first comment to that would be, well, if they're paying the players anyway, then why wouldn't they have games? At least get these guys out there and, and fit and get them in shape for next year. In some ways, it's a competitive advantage if you get to do it and some other teams perhaps don't. And so why wouldn't everybody try And then he said, well, who says they're not going to lay these players off? And so that's when my mind went straight to the USLPA. Um, Mm -hmm. The deal's not done, right? So they have no official power. Um, It's nice that the USL is talking to them because they don't have to right now. So to me, I was super happy about that.
4: Well, and with regard to potentially playing games in front of empty stadiums, initially, I thought that was a really bad idea, Um, but I've kind of come around to the other side of it because... So initially my thought was, you know, okay, you're playing games in front of empty stadiums, so that means you're assuming some of the costs in match day operations, but you're not bringing in the revenue that teams so very much rely upon in the USL, your match day revenue, whether that be through tickets or merchandise or or whatever. Um, So I thought, well, that doesn't really make sense to have these matches in front of empty stadiums, you don't have the fan experience. But then I kind of came around to the other side of it in that, Let's say USL starts playing these matches sooner rather than later in front of empty stadiums, and and maybe they're the first league in sports back Hmm. to do that. Um, You know, People are going to tune in, so everybody that would have been in the stadium is going to be tuning in first and foremost. And in addition to that, you have just your general Joe Q sports fan, who maybe not even be a USL fan or maybe not even be a soccer fan, but is craving live sports. Suddenly they're on ESPN Plus and ESPN is seeing huge numbers. Maybe that incentivizes them to eventually restructure the deal with the USO US so that they can bring in more money from a TV deal and it makes them more sustainable should something like this happen in the future.
0: Sounds ideal. <laughs> I, don't I mean, that, I that's it's yes. Like, it's it's a perfect world, right? Yeah, totally, totally. It's a good point, though. I, I like the idea of the USL being uh, groundbreakers in that way and possibly pushing the envelope um, if they can afford it, of course. it All all of this comes down to money. And, and um, again, I'm just glad they're talking to the PA because we all care about the players. And you almost worry about those guys being the first ones to get screwed in this deal. Um, mm-hmm. And so players versus owners, they're both... Everybody's in a tough spot right now. We all know that. So um, moving on to um, talking about... let's talk about the usl academy and the us the dissolvement of the usda the development academy um he was asked about that for sure alan do you have any thoughts on on that
3: um i'm gonna go ahead and say i'm gonna wait and see what Mm -hmm. what comes out i think it's really kind of too soon to really jump in one wagon or the other um obviously there's a question of the DA c- closing and then MLS like coming out like right away and that felt a little weird. Like I understand why they might want to do that is when this news is fresh to say hey we 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 got some of this, but it also felt a little bit like mm, it just happened too close. It felt like they knew things were coming, so they're going to swoop in before anyone else can. Um, I think USL can play a very important role. Um, they're already a lot more grassroots and a lot more local, so I'd like to see that academy. Uh, kind of fill that void and i think that they have the a, a lot of right people involved in the communities that can really do that positively um i know you mentioned that non-usl teams might be able to compete so that should be interesting i know the whole issue also is like are these matches going to be competitive like i think that's always one of the concerns is what benefit do we have of mm-hmm. teams playing teams that aren't competitive um but i think you know, if we're looking at a European model of every team has a youth academy, like maybe this is the opportunity for USL to really. Uh, I know they've been starting that, you know, path to pro thing is really kind of focusing also on the bottom end. But then again, how much money can you put into it? Like we're in a really weird position. So I would like to wait and see, but I'm hope, part of me is very hopeful. I'm not usually pessimistic, but I'm also not usually optimistic. Mm-hmm. Um, I would like to see USL take an opportunity to do some stuff. And I'd like to see, you know, a, a more of a focus on finding that that talent and making sure that that money isn't a hindrance to finding that talent. Um, I think there's an opportunity to start over here. Um, so that's kind of my, where my head's at.
0: Yeah, and we're not going to get too deep on this one. I think maybe next week will be a really good time to talk more in depth about it. Um, But I do think we should uh, talk a tiny bit more about it before we go on, because Pony and Ryan, you guys both are in cities that are near-ish to cities that um have great academies I think North Carolina FC like announced that they're going to compete in a lower division uh this year if they do at all but pony what do you what do you think about Sacramento um and the USL Academy is it important to them do you think it's good enough for them
2: I mean what they had was actually good there are players on the Sacramento roster who are full-time players who actually were part of the academy I mean I don't think a lot of USL teams have the infrastructure to have an academy as much as Sacramento does, especially since they're going to be jumping to MLS. They've invested a whole lot more than teams who have no real, I don't want to say ambitions, but no realistic path to begin MLS in the next five years. But the academy for the USL now, what we had wasn't perfect by any means. There's no, no part of me that says it couldn't be improved, it couldn't be better, but it's an academy system. I mean, how many leagues at this level with this level of investment have an academy system mm. if there's no academy system the entire league is worse to the wear no matter what you can't say it becomes better because you're going to try to poach from other systems maybe poach from lower level leagues the academy system gets players in your system it gets them with the coaches it gets them with all the trainers and it lets them advance to being a player in the usl or maybe even mls in the future if you have some sort of affiliate structure moving upwards without that we're going to suffer granted was it the best thing in the world no. Could have been improved? Yes. But is it better than nothing? Absolutely. And the league's going to suffer if there's not at least some way to replace what we just lost.
0: Agree Tom, completely with all of that. Ryan, what do you think about North Carolina FC? I don't, I don't know if Wilmington has much going on, but I know you're close enough to NCFC and follow them to know a little bit there. <laughs>
1: Well, it's cool with uh, the Hammerheads. Even after the team had departed, the academy is still a huge uh, portion of the community, and in fact, still a massive money maker for the region. That both the men or the boys and girls, uh, Wilmington Hammerheads, uh, still academy set up here, joined the ECNL for this uh, upcoming season. But to speak towards like a broader sense with the I think it's, it was almost inevitable that we were gonna to toss in a lot of the youth development towards MLS and USL teams. And it seems like them taking control of it allows us to have a more European feel to a lot of this that you have a lot of these clubs starting to kind of mold their teams, kind of build out their pyramids within their own organization to just kind of set up that uh, development on at least their structure.
0: Yeah, it is going to feel more, uh, more European, isn't it? The way, it, especially the USL Academy, is just all over the board. You know, I mean, there's really tiny club academies and there's really big club academies. It's just all over the place. I think, I think we'll move on with this thought. Is I think everyone can agree that if and Taylor Twellman's been pounding this home. It's one of my favorite things he's said in the last several months. Um, that there's only what 32. Uh, MLS teams are we're going to have 32 at some point. Um, there's we cannot have 32 academies in this country and expect things to be okay. So yeah, we've got to fill in the gaps. ECNL can do that a little bit, um, but I think for the most part, the USL is going to have to fill in all those gaps, and they've got a long ass way to go before it's a good thing. Um, but I do think in the interview to bring it back to the interview. They want to start up the Academy full on in 2021. And I have a feeling maybe they move that up. But uh, as Alan said, I think it's best to kind of give this some more time to marinate, get some more information out there. Um, Three Honest Lads were supposed to talk about this. So I'm going to give that a listen tomorrow as well, Um, because I do believe Devin said something like pretty positive on Twitter about the situation. sounded like he knew something uh, others don't. So I'm curious about that for sure. Maybe give that a listen and we'll talk more about it um let's talk about the big one who wants to dig into pro rel first (laughs) david you haven't talked in a minute go for it buddy yeah
4: yeah they uh it's funny because rooter uh in the notes there and in the steel uh steel army also shout out to them for putting together notes from this call uh did a really great job with that uh talked about how edwards kind of eschewed any sort of timeline um but I think the the notable thing that he kind of that we can take away from this is that he said he would like to see it within two to three years now we'd all like to see it within two to three years obviously but um, you know he doesn't typically and in all of the interviews I've seen with him ever put like a a date on it and again it was very uh, surface level wasn't saying we will have it in two to three years but it was good to see those numbers Um, and you know says essentially that it's they're moving towards it happening. Uh, obviously, want it to continue to happen. You know, he said, uh, you know that while things may be um, kind of on hold as far as the league is concerned, he doesn't seem to think that it has any sort of negative impact on the possibility of pro rel. So, from a, a pro rel supportive person, it was it was great to hear.
0: Completely agree, and I do think the phrase he used was uh, every if he had his way two to three years would be really great and then you know and then he uh brought things back to the middle um yeah a lot of mention Uh about league one uh being the place to kind of solidify it that that be that would be the problem alan what are your hopes and dreams for pro rel and, and how do you think you would want it to be done based on the interview there at least
3: um, I think there's two there's two sides of this that have been interesting to me over the past couple of weeks. Uh, with Liga MX suspending their yes. pro rel for five years, I think that changes the landscape a little bit. Because like, then it's like, okay, well, if Liga MX suspends for five years, does that open up the possibility of more MLS things? And then that whole side of the world gets crazy. Mm-hmm. And then you have the people on pro rel going, well, You know, with us moving into the future, we need to have it. So maybe this is the time we reboot some stuff. Do we move? And then it's like with him talking about, like, the regions, like bringing back maybe in some regions, and that opens up possibly for ProRel even better because now you're not promoting a team in – let's say, Arizona, and they're (laughs) replacing a team from, like, Oklahoma or something. Like, you get a weird map as teams pop up and down, but if you regionalize it, it becomes a little bit easier to move up and down that pyramid (laughs) So you get to that top tier, and by the time you're at that top tier, you're ready for that national travel anyway. So there are some things that are, like, a little bit positive for the pro-rel folks, and then there's other sides that say, hey, let's do pro-rel, but if Liga MX can't do it, what makes you think that we can do it? Mm -hmm. Like, And it, it looks at... It's like a cautionary tale of you need to have everyone from the lower leagues up on board with if you move up, here's what it's gonna look like. Yeah. Do you have the stadiums? Do you have the the financial backing? We can't just throw a pro rel at a team and say, All right, sink or swim. This is America, sink or swim, do what you gotta I do. do.
4: Yeah, I did think it was really interesting that you know one of the things that he mentioned in there was you know we obviously we want to see League One continue to add teams. That's not surprising to anybody. But you know he said you know we'd love to see League One go to that Eastern Conference Western Conference structure, much like the Championship would, in order to accomplish this. And I think I mean that makes it more feasible. It makes it more realistic. So agree with you, Alan.
1: I think it's interesting with this kind of pro setup. I mean, honestly, with Liga MX, it was almost a joke of their pro row setup because you could have teams who get relegated from the top flight who would then just buy the second division team, move them to their city, and send the top flight team back to the second division. And then even those teams who could afford to stay up, there were only like six eligible teams from the Liga Asensio, I believe that's how it's pronounced, a division who were eligible for getting promoted. And I think it's almost to a point that we need to have a solid second tier in USL or third tier on the American Pyramid just before we even institute a lot of pro-rail because then we're going to start getting into stuff of in the championship we have about 30 teams give or take depending on how Teams are going to move in and out due to expansion, moving up to MLS. But then in League One, we need more independent clubs to fill out those ranks. And I almost feel like for it to be even remotely feasible, you have to have at least about 12 to 16 independent clubs, not including any of the MLS 2 sides who may drop down as well. And we may have to put in some of the MLS 2 sides just trying to fill out the ranks. But it's interesting having Edwards say two to three years because it shows that it's in the back of their mind that they're thinking on it and trying to get towards that destination. But I also think it's uh, a bit of just saying, it's like, yeah, we're still working on it because I recall a few years ago, we said by 2020, every team would be in a soccer specific stadium or there'd be no more baseball stadiums. And uh, here we are right now. So I you, I, as much as I agree with him to say, yes, in two to three years, we would love to see it. I think even it's going to be more and more likely that it's we would be looking at a within-the-decade type of timeline, not a two to three years.
4: But if you remember, Ryan, last year during the USL Championship, he did that interview at halftime and refused to put any sort of number on it, period. So I think this is a step at least in the right direction at least you know this again he's saying it's a very surface level he's not putting a timeline on it per se but just for him to say the numbers potentially two to three is a step yeah oh yeah I certainly agree with you that's a very big positive
1: to see as a step but I always admired USO for their ambition and I think they're being incredibly ambitious here to say within two to three years I'm uh, they're certainly angling towards that track and I feel like they're going to get there and we will eventually see a USL with pro rail. I just think it'll take more time than two to three years.
0: Yeah, it, it's almost like they, they throw out numbers as a goal. You know, even the stadium, uh, the soccer-specific stadium thing, I, I bet the three-year thing was like a goal, like, hey, I we want this to happen and maybe they made it sound really concrete because they wanted their owners to really react and, and get behind it and, and put work into that. <laughs> But they're also between a rock and a hard place because it's not like they're going to say okay, it's 2022 you still play in a baseball stadium we're kicking you out. Maybe they would that'd be pretty rough. Uh, maybe they could kick them down to League One, but then there's all the expansion money and it, it, basically, they're probably not going to do that. And so, I don't know how much power they have to like put rules into place and hold people to it when it costs millions and millions of dollars to, to get through it and do it right. Um, but it is a, a goal, you know, and so I think it it is on the owners to a certain extent to make it to make it happen, to follow the league's um, ideas.
2: Yeah, uh, well, to me, two to three years is an absolute joke to say it's actually ever going to happen. It's not going to happen. You're missing so much that actually would require Pro Real to be successful in the in the united states i mean we have a league two who's 10 teams you can't have pro rail with a 10 team league two and what are you going to do kick out the worst 10 teams in the usl championship to make it even splits that's not going to happen no. you have teams who aren't solvent you have teams who aren't guaranteed to be here next year we keep seeing teams in the usl championship in us league one fold every season that can't be happening if you're gonna have a pro rail system you have to have enough teams who are gonna keep those top spots keep the middle spots and be pushing them to move forwards. We have a demographic And COVID doesn't help with that. (laughs) Exactly. This is basically going to be a lost season. So it's going to push that two or three years back, another year, maybe two, maybe three out the gate. And then we have the problem we've touched on of where teams are located. If we have England, where we have seven, eight, nine, ten tiers, but they're all in such a compact place where if one team gets relegated, the next team pops up. Worst case, you have maybe like a five-hour road trip. I mean, we'll have teams where... What happens if the worst three teams in the US World Championship all come from the East or all come from the West one year, and the best teams in US League One are on the other coast? We just destroyed all our conferences, and now we suddenly have your maybe your Tulsa or OKC or San Antonio having to go play 15 games against East Coast teams on a season. It doesn't make sense the way that the US is set up. I mean, pro-rail people come at me, but it doesn't make sense. We need to take different steps and... Even if we can have pro-real maybe only in the West and East, but even then, what if one conference is so much stronger than the other? Mm-hmm. What if the USL League One has more teams in one conference than the other? The way it's set up now, there's so many things lacking that I think saying two to three years is an absolute joke and just kind of pandering to the people who want to see him talk about, yes, pro rel might be a thing. Could it be a thing? Absolutely. But the way US soccer is set up, the way the championship is set up and League One is set up, I don't see it happening for at least five years, I think that's in a good case.
0: I find it interesting when Ryan brought up. First of all, yeah, I agree. I think you, I think we needed a, a reality check there, Pony, and you gave it to us in in loads. But um, Ryan mentioned, you know, how in Mexico they'll just kind of someone will get relegated, and then they'll buy the team and move them. You know, we've all heard about that happening in Mexico, and and to me that just makes sense. I don't know if this five year hiatus of ProRel has to do with anything other than just money, you know, and I think it's the similar thing in, in the United States and so I think even to throw more reality check on it I do think it's it's money more than anything else that's gonna keep it away because I do think I do think we could do what Alan said and you hinted at their pony that we could regionalize it and yeah there may be weird things that happen there may be extra long road trips and flights there may be um, heavier weighted talent on one side of the country over the other but you know we roll with it you you just do it because I think it'll make our country better and I do think they could work through those problems. Um, I think what was the long road trip that one Russian team had to make just for two games um, two seasons ago? It was like a 12-hour train ride or something like that. And they did it. You know, it, it's fine. It can work out. But I do think the money thing is is and the power thing is just insurmountable in this country. I think if MLS and League MX combine in any way no one's touching that humongous group of of money and owners and no one's leaving that group um without them you know doing so on their own um at their own hand and so i think there's just going to be a split and i think the best we can hope for is this usl pro rel within its own ranks and i do think that'll happen someday uh, despite its possible issues what do you guys think
4: no, I think I gave up on the possibility of MLS being included in a pro-rel a long time ago. The U.S. Soccer Federation is largely, the board is largely controlled by people with MLS-specific interests. Why would they have any incentive to give up any sort of power, any sort of potential earning uh, power to USL clubs? It'll never happen. Mm-hmm. So so when I talk about the potential for pro-rel within the U.S. system, it, it excludes MLS entirely, frankly. Um, I, I think that ship sailed a long time ago. Yeah.
0: Any other thoughts on Pro Rel?
1: I mean, we could do a whole you know, episode think, on it. I mean, with this for. <laughs> I think with this for Liga Max, uh, just that it's suspended for five years. I will honestly say the hot take that Pro Rel is not coming back, not for League of Max. We already saw earlier this week that Santos Laguna and uh, the Atlas owner, or had already said he wants to angle towards an MLS uh, and Liga Max combined. League, But I feel like it's basically been kind of like you had stated earlier, it's all going to come down to money. I mean, we saw with Liga Max that the Atletico Madrid team basically forced their way into the league to make it a 19 team league this time around. And I feel like that's they have it kind of set up into the system that they want. So if there's going to be pro rail here, we're going to hope for it to be coming out of USL.
0: Yeah, sorry. I'm, I'm not replying well to you, Ryan. I think we're losing you here and there, um, but um, we'll have that for the listeners at least um, because you're recording yourself. That's a good thing. Um, let's talk about expansion and Queensborough FC. I know 321 uh, just had an article about Luis Gutierrez, who is the assistant Coach for the Cosmos is going to be the technical director for Queensboro FC. So, a little bit of a positive movement in this time uh, for a USL team that is expected to start next year, I believe. Um, so, and they're going to be a really fun team. I am really excited to see them. I think my favorite outside of St. Louis tends to, tends to be Orange County because I just like that team. But I lived in New York for a year, so I could make uh, Queensboro my new favorite. Uh, any other thoughts about Queensborough? Uh, I know they mentioned a lot of expansion teams as well. A few were mentioned, if anyone wants to bring that up as well. Something like 30 teams are interested. I don't have the quote right in front of me. I closed it. I'm sorry. But are
4: Queensboro FC expected to start this year? It seemed, Edwards seemed to indicate that they may be delayed a year.
0: Oh, did he? Okay, I think I missed that. I did listen to it, but I might have missed that.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that was that was the indication. He said it's a as a possibility that they may be delayed a year. He, yeah, and he talked a lot more about expansion. Um, but yeah, Queensboro FC potentially, uh, from what he said, could be delayed to twenty twenty two.
2: Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if we see the teams who are slated to come in the next two to three years all lose a year and when they're going to come in. Queensboro, I think East Bay and California, Rhode Island. I wouldn't be surprised if half of them all drop back a year from when they originally thought they were going to play just because this whole thing messes with the stability of teams if you have a if you're trying to bring a team into a league who just didn't have a whole year play your investor's going to be a little bit more concerned about putting money in something where the last season didn't actually even happen right
4: well and then one of the things that that kind of brings to mind is how many of these teams don't survive, whether that be at a USL League One level, again, when we're talking about having to expand League One for ProRail to even be feasible, um, or even at a championship level. I think there are some vulnerable teams there. You know, it seems like obviously Austin is a perfect example of that. You know, you've got an MLS team on the way, um, you know, RGV potentially going independent sometime soon. Uh, you know, this obviously makes that a bit more difficult without the MLS money. I think it's an important question. Sorry, that's my dog now.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, I think a lot of teams who at least going into the last few years, I would have seen as the most vulnerable, seem a lot more stable suddenly because they're putting a lot of investment into stadiums and all those sort of plans. I mean, Colorado Springs has been doing that, which is one of the teams who I was kind of worried about for a while. I mean, I'm not going to say where everyone's going to survive. It's going to be all hunky-dory. But I think the vast majority of USL teams make it through this especially after Fresno unfortunately went away last year. They had been on my short list of teams so I thought would be in trouble if something like this happened. Hmm. But I think we're getting to a point in the league where even though we do lose teams, we're not losing two or three teams a year. And I don't think this is going to make us use lose another two or three teams because they're either academy teams, which I think a lot of the MLS teams see the benefit of having around, or they're becoming stronger and stronger independent teams who while this is going to be horrible forms for the bottom lines for this season i don't think one year is going to kill them unless the owners exceptionally skittish about these type of things
4: hmm. and again it's not just a championship level either in league 1 uh you know I would imagine some of those teams are vulnerable. Obviously, League Two, um, you know, as you go kind of further down the pyramid, I would imagine the teams are more, more vulnerable. But again, that goes to the strength of the pyramid, uh, and that pyramid needs to be strong top to bottom in order to even have a shot at instituting any sort of pro rel.
2: Yeah, I imagine if this happened in 2013, I think the USL would not exist. I don't think the USL would exist if this happened in 2013.
0: I, I agree. That's, I agree with that. That's
2: a really good thought. Really good this thought. would impact a lot, a lot of... Point.
1: And MLS sides if it happened in 2013.
0: Yeah, MLS sides too. I think you're probably right. You know, does does Columbus exist at this point if that had happened? Um, I, I bet he would have bailed on that that team in that you'd situation. You put a halt on. Um, I have to. Uh, you put a, a halt on Orlando. USL, oh, what was that, Ryan?
1: Oh, I was saying like if we we're if Ooh. this happened back in 2013, you put if USL went up in smoke you'd probably not see orlando in mls
0: mm-hmm. it's interesting they were a really strong usl club but you might be right um i was gonna hit on hit my uh usl whipping boy rochester rhinos uh does this push them back one year or does it push them back <laughs> five years
2: poor rochester rhinos. Only the rhinos 10 years Right. I was going to say, yeah,
4: what pushes back one club one might be four or five for (laughs) Rochester.
2: Yep.
0: Um, Okay. Could we play this year? Uh, Let's think about the interview and let's think about how we could play this year. Um, Let's just, I think we all need to speak on this one. Pony, why don't you lead us in first? How do you see us playing this year? And do you think it'll even happen?
2: I don't think it happens the way that there's actually leagues. I almost want to say the one I was kind of joking about in the chat of saying we're going to take MLS, USL Championship, USL League One, and break it down into six or seven regions, have a round-robin tournament. All teams play each other once or twice, however we want to do this. I don't know how early this is going to start. That's going to depend on how many games there are. And the top team or two from each conference goes on to a knockout. Almost becomes a tournament to get into the USL Cup at USL Open Cup-ish, and just do a 16-team knockout for the 16 best teams. We'll see how it works out, but I don't think we're going to have a real league. I don't think we're going to have a 34-game USL season. I mean, at best, we're going to have like a half that, maybe 17 games. So have local tournaments, teams from different leagues play each other, get a lot more exposure. The young guns from the USL 1 get to play at MLS side. The MLS teams get to prove that they actually are the best teams out there. And then we have a tournament from there on out.
0: Almost like a regionalized open cup that seems to be my favorite that I've seen out there for sure. Yeah. Alan, what do you think?
3: Yeah, that was one of the ideas that I was contemplating as well. I mean the other one is the the Liga MX regular season where you just play everyone once um, and then go into a playoff uh, that'll give you you know you get to see all of the normal matchups you would like to see in, in you know west versus west east versus east. Um, but I also tend to gravitate more to that, um, that tournament style of multiple levels because if you just focus on USL, then every league is going to have to figure out what they're doing. And then that puts calendars all weird and wonky, whereas if you all just get together and say, let's try to make something, um, I think it'd be kind of a really cool experience. And I actually asked somebody if they'd rather have the Open Cup than a regular season season. And then it goes to, you know, a team might only play once, and that's kind of not great, and no team would sign up for that. And I think that's a fair – but I would like to see that more open, cup e style of answer than um, a forced kind of half season. Uh, but I'm on the train of we just might just cancel everything, just be like we're going to start over again in, you know, in the next spring or next winter. Um because at this point, when when you're gonna get back, is it worth it to play in front of empty stadiums? Who knows if there's gonna be another shelter in place a little bit later? Like, it might just be smarter to hope for or to plan on no sports and then hope for a tournament style deal.
0: I feel you there. That's how I like to look at things as well, Ryan. What do you think, man?
1: As much as I would love to see. Uh, Soccer Again, this year, I think it. what's going to be dictated is what's going to happen at the MLS level and what's going to happen at the other big leagues of the country. And and I honestly think that uh, USL teams probably wouldn't be able to survive as well if they had to play behind closed doors. The MLSU sides may be able to be propped up. But and for instance, I saw a team such as Averton Stanley over in uh, England, who currently are 17th in League One, who said it would cost them about 500,000 pounds. You know, to play the rest of the season behind closed doors just for hmm. everything they would have to do behind it. And they said that they would go more for sustainability of the club than finishing out the season if given if that was their option. So as much as I would love to see some type of tournament go on this year, I was um, on board certainly with Pony's idea to do kind of that regionalized cup and have them do a round robin. I think it's more likely it's going to end up with what Alan was saying, talking about we're just going to try again in 2021.
0: Yeah, I didn't think about... That's something I'd like to talk to an owner about, or a GM even, or um, even Ira Jersey might know this kind of thing, or have the inside scoop on that kind of thing, is find out exactly what it would cost to do closed doors, because I think we're all open to the possibility that it's just not worth anyone's money, and that it costs too much, and that they need to hit the ground running in 2021, and that not playing would make them stronger in the long run. And That's not something I would really necessarily thought of a lot, so... That's a really good point there, Ryan. Um,
1: Even for reference, in uh, the Premier League, uh, West Ham had uh, come out with an article that said even to do a closed-door match involving players, coaches, and everyone around, it would still be around 200 to 300 people involved in that operation Mm -hmm. per match.
0: Wow. That's a lot of people. I would think it'd be more like 10. You know what I mean? Like, NPSL, I think to be an owner, you just got to get a hotel for the white I mean, you'd have to do... Yeah, go ahead.
1: I mean, from the Premier League's perspective, you'd have to do thirty-six players to do a full game day roster, or all the coaching staffs. If you're going to film it, you're going to have to have TV people, yeah. and then you'd have to have medical staff on hand for mm. these matches, and then you'd have to have security or police outside because you know there would be people who would want to go to the stadiums. I mean, if we're, I mean, look at Liverpool; at, it'd be hard to keep people away from Anfield, from all of this stuff. So it's still it would be a huge operation that would be beyond just the players and the coaches that we're all looking at here.
0: Hmm.
3: Yeah, even when San Diego played Tacoma, there were sta- there are fans standing on the hill over the- looking at the stadium and that's Tacoma. Um, <laughs> so you're talking about some of yeah. these bigger not to like poop on Tacoma but like No, it's going to happen everywhere. for a, right, it's like for a, a lower division you know soccer team in Tacoma to pull people onto the side of this, you know, think about You know, your MLS sides like, you know, Seattle who pull you know, tens of thousands. People are going to try and figure out
2: how to see that game live. Mm. Yeah, that's kind of my fear of saying closed stores. Let's say it costs 20 grand for a team to set up a game behind closed doors. And that's their entire cost, nothing else. Over the season, that's going to cost each team 300 grand. I mean, this is a season where you're going to get no tickets, no merch sales at the game, no concession stands, no anything else. How many teams could take an extra three hundred grand loss this year? When you're talking about teams coming back next year and maybe struggling to survive this year with no real big matchday income, then say, oh, by the way, just play the season, you owe us three hundred grand." That's going to be bad for a lot of smaller teams.
3: I guess the only setup, like, Lucas Oil is the only good setup to keep fans from watching it live. I mean, <laughs> for the first time, is Lucas Oil Stadium, the best venue in the USL.
2: <laughs> for safety wow we had a attendance joke and it wasn't against new york or swope park
0: <laughs> it's true um david we haven't heard from you yet man what's what's your plan to get us through this
4: uh well i, I want to start by saying uh the optimist in me is is very much alive in that i still have not canceled my hotel in san diego for labor day weekend nice uh so, I am of the belief that New Mexico United will be playing that match uh, i don't I don't actually think that but I want to um, with with that said I, I I have to imagine obviously the USL doesn't have all of this figured out. nobody does but I also have to imagine that they aren't just sitting idly by and thinking, uh, we'll figure it out as we go. I would imagine that they've got some sort of deadlines in their minds. Um, you know, you know, if, if, you know, things have gotten to this point by this date, we can do this. Um, and you know, if, if that doesn't work, then we get to the next date. You know, if, if things haven't gotten to that point by this point, you know, we can play a, a half season. If that, if we haven't gotten to this point by that point, we can play a tournament style. Um, and I would imagine that along that timeline, yes, there's somewhere in that point where they think, okay, it just makes sense financially not to play games this year. Um, and as these deadlines with this pandemic continue to move forward, as you know things continue to be shut down for extended periods of time, as you know this continues to spread, and we haven't reached a peak yet. Uh, I would imagine we move closer and closer to not playing matches. And as much as I hate to see that and hate to think that I think it's the most likely thing is that we don't have a season
0: at all this year. Mm -hmm. For sure. Any last thoughts? I think, I think this is something we should close out on for sure. Um, any last thoughts about how, how we get through this season?
2: No, I mean, to me, if we have a season starting 4th of July weekend, that's the best case for me at this point.
0: Oh yeah. I mean, that'd be incredible.
2: Yeah, I
4: think that would be wonderful. Uh, I think if if we can somehow play, you know, Western Conference plays Western Conference teams one time, uh, and same in the East, uh, I think, wow, that would be amazing. And, and man, if you'd said that a month ago, I would have been so disappointed. Mm. But if we can get to that, I think that would be great.
0: Yep. All right, guys, thank you for joining me tonight. And uh, everyone listening, thank you for listening. We've got Alan Underwood here, David Carl ryan allen and pony i'm phil grooms uh i'll come back at you for the ad read so do support icarus and roughneck scarves if you can through this situation um i know roughneck is having some trouble and i think they're even making um some masks i saw that online actually so that's awesome do go support them um, as they have continued to support us as well through all of this um again thanks for listening and we'll come back to you next week for sure guys thanks